introduced by Brother Bruce uh, Kratzer because the last song he sang was, I Need You, Jesus. Now, I have two preliminary remarks, and I want you to listen to this closely concerning I Need You, Jesus. Another thing that I want to make clear is that this church preachers were saved totally. I mean totally by God's unmerited grace. Can I get an amen? Amen. So without further ado, I'm going to read this, and I have copies on the table in the back if you'd like to have one. I hope I have enough. Here I go. When Jesus looks upon my life, what picture does he see? Does he see his own reflection, or does he just see me? Does he see his likeness, the the product of his hand, or just another Christian who never took a stand? Does he see a child of God, a child he set free, living life to honor him, or does he just see me? When someone looks into my eyes, can they truly see that calm and gentle peace of God that dwells inside of me? When I reach out and shake a hand, is he right there in my grip? Can they feel that strength from God that steadies when I slip? When folks are in my presence, do they know the spirit's there? Can they see that he's the one who guides me everywhere? When other people think of me, what is on their mind? Do they think of Jesus so gentle and kind? I try to be like Jesus every single day, spreading love and kindness all along the way. I'm afraid I have failed. I could not pass the test. Deep inside my heart, I know I haven't done my best. I have had to fight the flesh since the day I was born again. It always causes me trouble and being such a thorn. That's why his spirit dwells in me. He's helped me to learn in every situation, wherever I may turn. Jesus knew I would never pass the test. That's why he took my place. He gave his life to save my soul. He suffered my disgrace. Now I try to be like him. I must present him well so that others will want his gift and turn their backs, I got that wrong, and turn their backs on hell. Other folks see the joy that Christ has given me. They should want to have it too, especially since it's free. They should begin to ask me, what is it they must do? just how it is they go about getting Jesus to. Then I get to tell them this wondrous gift is free. It only takes a humble heart, a prayer on bended knee. Someday when I'm face to face with the Lord who set me free, will he see his own reflection? Or will he just see me? Can I get an amen? Amen. As I, let's give the Lord a hand. 
Now, the second part of this is I want to reiterate for anyone who's here. This church does not preach that you can be saved by your so-called good works. I want you to get that. Can I get an amen? amen. We are saved totally by God's grace. And I'm going to repeat a scripture. And perhaps some of you are going to get tired of me repeating it, but I'm going to say it anyhow. And you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's verse 1. Now I'm going to go to some more verses. <clears throat> For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God lest anyone should boast. Can I get a witness? Saved by God's grace. But look what follows. After you get saved by God's unmerited grace and favor, here's what he says. <clears throat> Let me back up in case you can get it again. For by grace are you saved through faith. Faith in what? Faith in the finished work of the Lamb of God. That's how you got saved. You didn't get saved because you performed some good deed or deeds. You got saved by the finished work of the Lamb of God. Let me go on. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift. Say gift. Get that in your mind. Getting saved is totally by God's unmerited favor. It's a gift. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You'll never boast about, I got saved because I was such a good person. I won't reflect upon that. Here's, a, here's, a good, here's where your good works come in. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath prepared before or ordained that we should walk in them. I'm going to repeat that. I don't mind repeating. I'm going to say it again. We are saved totally by the grace of God, his unmerited favor. However, once the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he begins to work out within us so great salvation. Can I get an amen? amen. Don't you go out of this church and say the Pottstown Bible Church preaches that you, you get saved by your good works. Baloney. I said I got copies of this in the back and saturated throughout this message saturated throughout this message on Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verses 4 through 13 are the same things that I just talked about reflecting on the word of God so here we go number one Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verses 4 through 13 I'm already getting tongue tied and why is that so? The Spirit of God. That's what it is. It's not Brother Bruce Carter. It's the Spirit of God. But in case you think I'm getting proud, everyone who's born again has the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm no special person. I'm only special, and you're special. Robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ.
Number two, since the word of the king is authoritative or powerful, you're going to see that later on. Who will say to him, what are you doing? He who keeps a royal command experiences no trouble, for a wise heart knows the proper time and procedure. For there is a proper time and procedure for every delight, though a man's trouble is heavy upon him. I had to ponder that, and I'll get to that later on. Number seven, if no one knows what will happen, who can tell him when it will happen? Number three, no man has authority to restrain the wind, or some translations say the spirit. I like the spirit better, and I'll get to that later on. Let me start over on this verse. No man has authority to restrain the, the spirit or wind with the wind or authority over the day of death. And there is no discharge in the time of war. And evil will not deliver those who practice it. All this I have seen and applied my heart to every deed that has been done under the sun, wherein a man has exercised authority over another man to his hurt. So then, Last verse. No, not the last verse. So then, I have seen the wicked buried, those who used to go in and out from the holy place, and they are soon forgotten ten in the city where they did this or thus. This too is futility or vain. Number four. Thank you for staying with me. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. Although a sinner does evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life, still I know that it will be well for those who fear God, who fear him openly. But it will not be well for the evil man, and he will not lengthen his days like a shadow, because he does not fear God. <clears throat> Let's begin. I'm on number five. Let's begin again, this time examining, by examining our opening verse, verse four, which reads as follows. Since the word of the king is authoritative or powerful, who will say to him, what are you doing? A little history here. Given the absolute or power of monarchs, what's a monarch? He's a king, he's a ruler in the ancient world. It would take a great deal of courage for someone to question the wisdom of the king's decision. That is to say to him, what are you doing, king? What do you think you're doing? In the ancient world, you were in trouble if you tried to give criticism to the king unless it was at the proper time. The wise counselor, however, will find the proper time and just the way for doing it or saying so. Number six, again, given the authority or the power of the monarchs, kings, rulers in the ancient world, it would take a great deal of courage for someone to question the wisdom of the king's decision. That is to say, what are you doing? The wise counselor, however, will find the proper time and just 
for doing so. Number seven. Hands beginning to stick. Given the absolute power of monarchs, kings in the ancient world, this also makes us reflect on our obedience to God as the great king. If he be the king, I'm talking about God, then it is a solemn hazard to your soul if you and I come short of the least of his commandments. I'm going to say something right now. And I'm going to use this personally, and I'm sure it applies to you. Every day, I'm talking to Christians, every day, we fall short of the glory of God. Can I get a witness? You might as well admit it. I started to say more, but I'll leave that alone. Remember that one treason makes a traitor. One leak sinks a ship. One fly spoils the whole box of ointment. He that bought us with his own blood deserves to be obeyed. We just talked about obedience. For by grace are you saved, but following, getting saved by God's grace comes obedience. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Don't you ever get the idea that just because you're saved, God doesn't want some an awesome obedience out of your life. Can I get a witness? Amen. One fly spoils the whole box of ointment. He that bought us with his own blood deserves to be obeyed in all things with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. I guess you're going to get mad at me, but I'm going to say this again. He that bought us with his own blood. What blood is that? Acts 20:28. And I know I have repeated this, and I don't mind repeating it again. The blood that ran in the veins of the eternal Son of God was the blood of God. It's valuable. If it was just from a human being, you couldn't be saved. It was the blood that ran in the veins of the eternal Son of God that saved you. And that same blood will cleanse you from our day-to-day sins. Can I get a witness? Thank God for the blood. Number eight, if he be the king, then it is a solemn hazard to your soul if you and I come short of the least of these commandments, and I'm going to put this again, you can see the caption. This is number eight. It goes without saying, or even saying that, even as Christians, every day you and I come short of keeping all the Lord's commandments. Every day. Thought, 
word, deed. And if we say, number nine, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Let me stop. Say fellowship. fellowship. I'm going to ask you a pointed question. Do you have fellowship? I'm going to read the rest of it. Do you and I have fellowship with the eternal Son of God? Does he speak to you personally? Not only corporately as we are right now, but personally, when you get into the Word of God, as you walk every day, do you have fellowship with him who is? And no, I'm not going to get off on it, but I'm just going to say it. Do you have fellowship with him who is and was? And who's coming? He's coming again. If we say, there's an asterisk behind it. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. Remember, he's talking to Christians. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, what say confess? That word confess, and Pastor Jack has said it maybe a thousand times. It comes from the Greek word hamalajeo. What's that mean, brother? The word hamal means same. Alajeo means to say, to say the same thing. If we confess our faults, oh, God, I sinned today. Oh, yes, you did sin, and that's personal. I'm not trying to get into your business. We need to name the sin so God can help us to forgive and cleanse us. I'll use this as an example. No, I didn't do this, so don't get the wrong impression. Oh, Lord, I, I, I got drunk today. I didn't say, oh, God, I sinned today. I said, oh, God, I got drunk today. You need to be clear about your sins. Can I get a witness? And not only that, you and I, notice I said you and I, we need to repent. Turn around and ask God to give you the strength to turn around. He's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to, what's that next word? Cleanse. Cleanse. You want to be cleansed? Confess your sins, Christian. Confess them from all unrighteousness. Number 10. Deceiving ourselves. That's right. I repeat it from the last page. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins. And you already said it. And to cleanse us. I want to say something right now. Every day, you and I need a cleansing. Every day. Not every other day. Every day. Does that mean that I'm not saved? I'm not talking about salvation. That's free. We, just, we need to be saved from our ongoing habitual sins. Number 11. Here's another look at the word. Since the word of the king is powerful. God's word is powerful. So the gospel, Romans 1.16, 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel. What's the gospel? Here's the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of the eternal Son of God. That's the gospel. Hallelujah. I'm going to say it again. Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah. And all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. What's crimson? You can't get it out, but he can get it out. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God, authoritative power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Everyone. And you've heard me say this before, and I'm going to say it again. From the uttermost to the guttermost. To the Jew first, and to the Greek or the Gentile. Number 12, Hebrews 4.12. The word quick means life-giving. For the word of God is quick, it's life-giving. And powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Let me stop there. Say soul and spirit. Thank you, brothers and sisters. I'm going to make a slight description of soul and spirit. As far as I can understand, the soul gives you self-consciousness. You are you, but the spirit gives you God-consciousness. That's what God works on. He works on your spirit. And as he works on your spirit within you, he makes you and I. Did you hear that? You and I makes us aware that we need a Savior. If what I may be more pointed, we need the Savior. That's his name. For the word of God is quick, it's life-giving and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. And this is on the peripheral of discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Do you know that God knows your heart? He knows, he knows what's going on. He knows. I'm going to tell you another person who knows. According to John chapter 2, you can look it up yourself. Jesus knows every thought that you've ever thought. Where does that put Jesus? I'll put it this way. That all men, John 5.23, that all men may honor the Son. Did you hear that? All men, not some men, all men may honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. Well, I thought Jesus was a created being. I'm going to repeat it, and you can get the literature on it. I got a lot of literature on it, and I don't have it up here. He is the exact, so says Hebrews, he's the exact representation of his Father's being. Everything that God the Father is, the Son is. I like to say that word, the Son. I was just telling somebody yesterday, Colossians, and this is a little bit off track from the message. According to Colossians chapter 15 and 16, 
all things consist. What's that word, Brother Bruce? The whole universe is held together by the eternal Son of God. Where's that put him? I'll tell you where it puts him. He's the eternal Son of God. No created being could hold the entire universe in his hand. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Why did you say that, Brother Bruce? You got a lot of people telling you that Jesus is just a good teacher. He's, he's just a good man. He's just, a, he's just an excellent man who followed God. He is more than that. And I, you'll probably get tired of me saying this. I'm going to say it anyhow. The man who hung on that cross was the God man. 100% God and 100% man. And he's the one, he's the only one who can say it is finished. If a creature was on that cross, it could never be done. But there was the eternal son of the living God. Who could say it's done, it's complete, it's over? I told you this message was saturated. Thank you, sister. This message is saturated with eternal Son of God. I told somebody before we even started. But you don't believe that the Bible is the Word of God. I'm going to be a little bit sarcastic here. That's up to you. Go ahead. Keep refusing the Bible. Keep thinking that it's not the inspired Word of God. One day you're going to face the judge. Even if our gospel is failed, that's the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to them who are perishing. Here's the King James. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. <clears throat> I think I'm going to be a little brazen, but I'm going to say it anyhow. You're either lost or you're saved. Your loss is saved. Let me ask you a, a valid question. Where are you going to spend eternity? Let's move on to the last part of four. What are you doing, King? God, what are you doing? Why are you allowing all these terrible things to happen? Don't you see that this world is falling apart? Here should be at least part of our answer. Christian, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to the unbeliever too. Christian, unbeliever, can't you see that according to God's infallible prophetic timetable, things are not falling apart. To the world they are. Things are falling into place of what has already been said in the Word of God. Did you hear that? They're just falling into place. 
what God said is coming to pass. He's putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. He's the sovereign God. Therefore, let us be extremely careful. Woe to the one who crawls with his maker. An earthenware vessel among the vessels of earth. Will the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? Or the thing you are making say, he has no hands. Daniel 4.35, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. Say nothing. God so loved the world that he gave his only son to make, if I can say it this way, he made something out of nothing. He saved your soul. You were worth saving. Or maybe you weren't worth saving. I don't know how to put it. He saved your soul. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven. Who are the host of heaven? The angels and so forth. And among the inhabitants of the earth, that's you and me. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? Here I go again. Number 16. He who keeps a royal command experiences no trouble, for he, for a wise heart knows the proper time and procedure. It is a matter of great importance to be able to discern when and how both to speak and act. Let me start right there. There are people in this church who go out among others. They know when to speak and how to speak. And that's very important. And they tell people about Jesus. How about you and me? Sometimes we just need to be quiet. And sometimes when the Holy Spirit prompts you, you need to say something. Hallelujah. You need to say something. If God prompts you to speak to someone, don't hesitate. Like I've done. I've done it. And then God has to strengthen me. And I say, Lord, strengthen me. Help me. It is a matter of great importance to be able to discern when and how both to speak and act. But when the time and manner are both determined, the matter comes to next. What shall I speak? What shall I do? When? How? And what answer to time, manner, and people? I'm going to put the word people in there. To discern all these things and to act suitably is a lesson for a philosopher and a study for any Christian. I know it says A. I'm going to give you an instance of something I just heard yesterday. I heard on the television by a gospel speaker. I don't know if it's time to say something or not. That's determined by the Spirit. He was talking about people who do mean 
the Bible, people who uh, demean the Lord Jesus, it might be a time for you to say something. It might not be, as the Spirit prompts you. You might have to take a little heat, but let me put it this way. Jesus took the ultimate heat for your sins. What do you say? That? Say heat. I'm going to say it again. Isaiah says, he didn't say it this way, but he does say it. Jesus took the wrath of God on himself by his own father. What did you say the word heat for? I want to say it again. On that cross, the Son of God experienced the wrath of God, and that includes hell. I didn't say he went to hell. I said he experienced hell on that cross. And what took Jesus six hours on that cross will take a sinner who leaves this world without him eternity. I'm going to say that again. The Son of God hung on that cross for six hours. And what took him six hours on that cross will take you and me, if you don't accept Jesus Christ, forever. I don't believe in hell. I don't believe a God who loves the whole world could do that. Jesus did it. His son took it. I shouldn't say his son. He took it. Verse 5, he who keeps their royal command experiences no trouble. For a wise heart knows the proper time and procedure. That is, when it is time to obey and how far he or she should obey. I'm ready to capitalize on what I just read. That is, when time, what, when time is to obey and how far he or she should obey. Christian, I'm on number 18. Christian, how far should you and or me obey when the Lord speaks? Did you know that word? Say Lord. Lord. It's in capital letters. That means the God of the universe, Yahweh. I'm not going to try to answer that question. What question? How soon should you or me obey when the Lord speaks to you and me? I can't. There's too many variables. I'm not going to answer that question, but we can answer this question. Number two, but all of us can answer the following question. When we, when we are obedient, to what length should we be obedient? You can answer that question. Let me answer it. Fully and right away when he tells you. I'm going to read that again. When we are obedient, to what length should we be obedient? I think I missed a page. Number 18. Well, I'm getting a little bit confused here, but that's okay. Thank you. Slow down. Let me say it again. I'm not going to say the same thing. When should you, would I be to what land? Fully. That's when you get the blessing of God. When you take a step of faith, 
because he told he'll provide the next step and the next step and the next step. He goes before you and behind you. Okay, number 19. Experience is no trouble. <clears throat> he who keeps the royal command experiences no trouble for a wise heart knows the proper time and procedure. No trouble, that is, he will not suffer the consequences of the king. That's the literal, the proper time. The neglect of the right time causes much of the sinful folly of the spiritually unwise. Now, if you don't know what that means, I'm going to go on and try to explain it. The, the neglect of the right times causes much of the sinful folly of the spiritually unwise. Say spiritually unwise. You and I, that's right, I'm going to make it real personal. You and I, failing to be obedient when God tells you something, has consequences. The, the neglect, number 20, the neglect of the right times causes much of the sinful folly of the spiritually unwise. How do you apply that, Brother Bruce? It is so spiritually unwise to repeatedly hear the message of the gospel. I know I said it before. What is the gospel? The death, the resurrection, the physical the bodily resurrection of the Son of God. Get this. And deliberately, say deliberately. deliberately. Remain dead in trespasses and sins. No, I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying, when you hear the message of the gospel over and over and over again, and you make a decision, because when you make a decision not to accept Christ, you remain dead in trespasses and sins. That's harsh language, but that's what the Bible says. Can I get a witness? Should I, should, I, should I calm it down and make it easy for you? Oh, you're such a nice person. You're such a good man. We're dead in trespasses and sin until we come to know Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Verse 6. For there is a proper time of procedure... For there is a proper time and procedure for every delight, though a man's trouble is heavy upon him. What do you mean by that? Here's another translation. For every purpose, there is a time and a decision. Say decision. decision. You've got to make a decision. You've got to make it. Sooner or later, you're going to make a decision. Hopefully it's sooner. What are you talking about, decision? You've got to make a decision for Christ or against him. Jesus said, you either for me or against me. Which one are you? Which one am I? For every purpose, there is time and decision because the sorrow of man is great in him. I'm going to go down to because. <clears throat> because God has so ordered things 
that to every purpose there is a proper time and judgment or proper amount of doing what is intended and therefore the misery of man is often great upon him because he does not duly observe the said time. I'm going to make it personal so you don't think I'm picking on you. How many times, I'll put it this way, how many times have I failed? I'm talking about me personally, not about you. Have I failed and then found out, oh, I wish I would have done it when God told me. Can I get a witness? I wish I would have followed through. Here are a few things a man or woman can do to avoid that misery. Say misery. that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in self, ah, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Who's the you? You and me. Let me repeat it again that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord I'm going to talk to a little bit of Christians right now right now is Jesus the Lord of my life is he is he the Lord of your life that word Lord is all sometimes translated master let me put it like this who's sitting on the throne Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. how about it Let's get honest. Can I be honest? Can I get an amen? amen? Who's sitting on the throne? You? Your ego? Or the great ego I am? He's the I am, the great Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Who's sitting there? And if he's sitting there, is he comfortable? We were talking to some person. That's what I said some person this morning about obeying. I'm going to say it again, and I might repeat it 10 million times if God allows me. Your good works count. They mean something to the Lord. We have people wiping down the tables. We have people out on the street talking to others. We have people in the barber shops. We have people walking up and down the streets talking about the eternal Son of God. Are you and I one of them? Can I get a witness? Everything you do for Jesus is worth something. Well, that's just a little thing. You can call it small, but it's big to God. Obedience is a very important thing. And I know I'm a little bit off track here, but it says resulting in salvation. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, I'm going to say it again. The most crucial doctrine in the word of God, one of the most, is that Jesus died physically and he rose physically. Amen. And any church that teaches you that Jesus is just a spirit, they're in error. How do you know that, Brother Bruce? There was one mediator. 
between God and man. The man. Christ Jesus. I'm going to say it again for those who I think you don't know it. There's a man in heaven. And he sits in heaven as the great high priest. A priest that never needs to make another offering. And he's the mediator between God and man. If you don't know where it's at, it's in 1 Timothy, I think it's 2.15, I'm going to repeat it. There was one God and one mediator between God and man, the man. I like to say that. The anthropos, the man, Christ Jesus. And I want to say something else that's not in this sermon. He's got the marks still on his hands. The same God-man that saved you has the marks in his hands. And as he said to Thomas, Behold the print of the nails in my hands. He rose. Physically, I'm glad somebody put that in there. They rose physically from the grave. I told you this message was saturated with the eternal Son of God. And you and I ought to be saturated with the Holy Spirit. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. I'll never be disappointed about Jesus who saved me. Why is that? Because he saved me forever. And I'm going to say this for those who may not understand what I'm saying. If it depended on me to keep my salvation, I lost it yesterday. But I'm saved totally by the grace of God. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. I'm going to ask you this morning, sinner, I don't know who you are. Did you call upon Jesus? If you call upon Jesus, you're going to get saved. That's his promise. That's not what Pastor Bruce says or Dr. So-and-so. That's what the Bible says. You call upon him and tell him, Lord, I've done this, I've done that, but I'm coming to you to save me. And you can add this in there, sinner. You promised to save me, and you cannot break a promise. I don't know why I have this again. I think I gave you three. This is number 25. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek and so on. And the last part of it says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And here's another witness. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. You look at that paper or the news and you believe them. That's the witness of men. That's part of it. 
well, this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. What the, I'll tell you what the witness in himself is. The Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That's the witness. He's a witness. He's a down payment, whatever. I better not go too far with that. But he's a witness. He that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness in himself. He that believeth not in God hath made God a liar, because he believeth not that the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given us. He gave it to you. I don't know why I'm emphasizing that this morning. He gave it to you. You didn't earn it. And this is and this life is in the Son. He that hath the Son has life. What kind of life? Everlasting life. And he that does not have the Son hath not God. I met a man on the street. It's been years ago. I said, do you have the Son? He had a partner with him. I said, do you have the Son? And I forget what he said, and I don't want to make anything up. I said, do you have the son? Do you have life? And I'm going to tell you right now, he was out there on, he was out there trying to earn his salvation, which can never happen. I'm not going to repeat this again because it's, it's a re 27 I'm going to go on. I'm going to go on to 28. The man of sorrows. The sorrow of man is great in him. Solomon understood that every matter, let me start over again. Solomon understood that for every matter there is a time and judgment. But he also knew that we don't know what those times are. A wise heart may discern both time and judgment. Say wise. wise. Are you smart enough to realize that you need to get saved today? You don't need to wait till tomorrow. You don't wait to, to, time to, to clean up your life. You need to get saved today. You, you and I, and I'm including myself, you and I might walk out that door, fall down on our head, and never wake up. And it happens all the time, so you can't say, no, it won't happen to me. It can happen to you or me. As a Christian, to be absent from the body is to be present with Jesus Christ. But for the sinner, and I don't mind saying that you're going to be separated from God forever. Twenty-nine, because to every purpose, because God has so ordered it that to every purpose there is a proper time and judgment. Say judgment. judgment. Proper time to get saved? Right now. Judgment is coming. It's coming. It is appointed unto man once to die. Each of us, we have an appointment. And after that comes the judgment. But let me add this, and I'm, I'm not off track. The judgment for the 
person who has accepted Christ has already been paid for. Can I get a witness? The judgment is coming. And you've probably heard me say this before. Sinner, I'm talking to you. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. But if I just go to the grave, it's over. Your body might go to the grave, but your soul and spirit is going somewhere else until the resurrection. I didn't think there was any resurrection for the righteous and uh, uh, for the unrighteous. There's a resurrection for both. Where do you get that from? Just look at John chapter 5. Because God has so ordered things that to every purpose there is a proper time and judgment or proper manner of doing what is intended. Say intended. What do you intend to do with what you're hearing right now? What do you intend to do? Well, I'm just going out and do the same things I always do. I'm not even going to reflect on that. 30. Avoiding negative judgment. Truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus talking. He who hears my word and believes him who sent me. Well, who sent Jesus? Thank you, brother. God the Father sent God the Son. Truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say to you, he who hears my word, say my word. The words of Jesus are so important. And believes in him who sent me. What do you think it was like that the father, knowing what his son was going to go through, beaten beyond recognition, thorns pressed down on his head, and you know the rest, what do you think it was like for God knowing his son was going to go through that? And still, Love you enough to send his only son. Has eternal life. And I've already said this. And does not come into condemnation. Can I get a witness? Christians, you don't come into condemnation where you're going to spend eternity. But may I add this? There is a judgment seat. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What we do after we save means something to the Lord. Where are you at in that, Brother Bruce? I don't know. But I hope it's on the positive note. I hope one day, Jesus, I'm talking to everybody. I hope one day the Lord will say to you and me, well done. Thy good and faithful servant. has passed out of death into life. Sinner, has passed out of death into life. You can do that today. And it doesn't depend on Brother Bruce. It depends on one thing. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.
what's the acceptable time right now? For he says, at the acceptable time, I listen to you. God's listening. He hears your heart, not only your voice. And on the day of salvation, I help you. Behold, now, say now. now. You see it right there. It's underlined. Now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 2 and another translation. For he says, in an acceptable time, I did hear you. And in a day of salvation, I did help you. I'm going to say this. And we so-called theologians and others, I know you understand what I'm saying. And you, I hope you do too. Don't you know that God prompts your heart in order that you may get saved? He helps you. You don't, you don't even do that on your own. He helps you to get saved. Can I get a witness? You think your willpower helps you to get saved. It doesn't. It's the Holy Spirit who prompts your heart and says, you and I, we need to get saved. He hears you. What a gospel. What a message. The Father hears you. The Son hears you. And I might want to say this again. That all men, John 5, 23, may honor the Son just as we honor the Father. Jesus is subject to, I'm going to say this. I don't know why I'm saying it. Jesus is subject to the Father. Yes, your children are subject to you. But they're no less than you are. Can I get a witness? Why did I say it for? Some people try to put Jesus less than the Father. Just because you obey somebody doesn't mean you're less than him. I had children at home. They're my children. They're not less human because they obey me. Jesus is obedient into death. Don't make light of the sun. Where am I, Pastor? I can't see. What time is it? All right. You said 5 o'clock. You wanted me to preach till 5 o'clock. I can't do that. I think I'd fall apart. Okay. I think I'm going to end soon. I, I, I got, I'm going to have to skip some pages. Thank you, brother. I'm going to read the last part of number 32. There is no man who has power over the spirit to keep the spirit. No power in the day of death. And there's no discharge in that war. Nor shall wickedness deliver its owners. Now, I know I'm going to have to skip part of this, so I'm just going to try to make it coherent. There is no man who has power over the spirit to keep the spirit. I know a man who did. He said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. Who did he lay it down for? You and me? 
There was no man who has power over the spirit. Matter of fact, he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Isn't that what he said? Can I get a witness? I'm going to say it again. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down. I'm going to have to end. Let me say this. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, I've got the last part of it. Where's your victory? The sting of death is sin. But thanks be to God. Say thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to, to paraphrase it. Thanks, to be, thanks be to God that Jesus conquered death's grave. He conquered him. How did he conquer him? What's the evidence? He rose, I want to say it again for those who don't know, he rose bodily from the grave. Thomas, behold my hands and my feet. And what did he say? That it is I. It's me. The same person that you knew in this present, at the present time, he rose from the grave. I'm glad you said that, brother. And, and Thomas said, I'm going to put it in the Greek. My Lord, that's not the Greek. My Lord and my God. Here's the Greek. The Lord of me and the God of me. He called Jesus the God. And I don't want you to get confused. Jesus is not God the Father. He's the eternal Son of God. He's God the Son. And I'm going to say it again. He's the only one who could pay for your sins and all of them. If it was a creature, okay, I'll just put it this way and I'm paraphrasing. He might have been paid for some of them. But Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin left. And the word crimson means indelible. You can't wipe it out. You can't wipe it out. But Jesus wiped it out. 